Crucial Welcome, episode 138, it's Podcast Pilgrim. My name is Russell. Hugh Davis is along for the ride once again. How are you, Hugh? I'm all right, thank you. How about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Uh, you, you've got the kids down, they're not going to get interrupted. You've been in front of Bournemouth Forest, I imagine, have you? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually not in front of Bournemouth Forest. I, the last couple of minutes before recording was me trying to find a Welsh beer, because traditionally I was trying to have one Welsh beer while we were recording, and I found a black IPA from Anglo, Oregon, which doesn't sound very Welsh, but is apparently in Newport. So hopefully that'll be nice. And you might actually have just turned up a new Welsh brewery for me, which um, is a bonus. Excellent. I can't plug the the Welsh uh, subscription people that um, the Welsh beer subscription they give it to me. Uh, you know the people that deliver these Wales ales to my door. I can't really give them the name, but they are very good. There's a bit of housekeeping to do before I introduce our guest. Um, uh, last episode, one three seven was with Ronnie and Paul from the Dope Fox podcast, the Dundee United fan podcast. And we were discussing Dylan Levitt, who is uh, making a really good impression. I don't think that is a spoiler, because I think that's fairly common knowledge. Just a cursory glance at the internet shows that up. But just nice to kind of get some perspectives on from players we're seeing him week in, week out. And just explain a little bit about you know maybe the system he's playing in, the positions he's taking up, all those sorts of things. Uh, and that was that's that's up there. Uh, before that, Hales Evans from Fee Wales. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, the women's game, about sort of women in the Red Wall, about some of the some of the reasons why she started doing what she does with Fee Wales around uh, creating sort of fan apparel for women. And so I encourage you to go and spend lots and lots of money on her website. Thank you to her for her time. And then the episode before that feels quite a long time ago now that check game, Hugh. Um, but we looked back at that game, looked at the World Cup draw. And we paid some, um, uh, well, it's not tribute, that's the wrong way of putting it, he's still, he's still alive and kicking, but to Wayne Hennessy in his 100th cap, uh, we celebrated, that's the word, we celebrated that. bit more plug, it's been quite busy actually. Nation Cymru kindly published um, something I'd been putting together and researching for a while, uh, Paul James, the only Welshman to play at Mexico 86, which is the first World Cup I remember, so it holds a special place in my kind of heart, if you like, um, influencing my formative years. Um, Wales didn't qualify, obviously, um, obviously. Paul James um, was there representing Canada. So that's up on the Nation Cymru website where it's not football, but it's music, where Leon has also had a couple of things published, looking back, quite kind of in-depth pieces around John Cale and the tragic story of Pete Ham from Badfinger. Um, well worth a read from um, from Leon, who's usually of this parish. And it's sort of, I suppose it's here in absentia, if that's not an oxymoron, because he's given us some questions for our guest a little bit later. This is Ben James from the View from the Indian podcast. Hi, Ben. Hello, how's it going? It's all right, thanks. I suppose... Um... To give listeners a bit of background, Ben and I do know each other. Mm-hmm. Ben once gave me concussion. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the first time we met, I think. Uh, one of the first few times we met, yeah, it was on the day of Aguero and all that, on the final day of that Premier League season. We were playing football in Regent's Park and he just did a little kind of chip up and the ball just went into my face from probably not very far, like a few feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought I was fine, carried on playing, hot day, whatever, we went on, went to enjoy the last day of the Premier League season and turned out after much falling over or whatever that I actually had concussion and was basically out of action for a few days and that was I say first or second time we met <laughs> yeah it was yeah it's good to have had that lasting impression on you by leaving you with an injury <laughs> <laughs> yeah welcome to the podcast Ben um do you want to give view from the Ninja plug for those who don't yeah. know of it uh, and also I think it's also nice because I mean we've been going for ages on this one but you've been going for even longer where we're, we're puppies I think compared to <laughs> compared to your efforts 
Yeah, might be giving away my age somewhat. I started View from the Indian in 2010, I think it was, um, uh, back when podcasts weren't really um, as big as they probably are now. And, and I think we were one of the first kind of club podcasts that um, kind of took off quite well. Started as a kind of uni project and have kind of kept it going over over that time. We've we've kind of evolved into a bit of a website now as well, but um, I, I mainly focus on the podcast side of things. So our Twitter page is dead see twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. Um, we try and, you know, look at look at look at the the world of Cardiff City with a bit of a, a, a tongue-in-cheek at times because um the last couple of years haven't been the most fun well I mean even going back to 10 years ago it wasn't the most fun from from the red kit days and all that kind of stuff so we just try and uh, try and put a, a bit of a smile on Cardiff City fans faces with what we're doing so um yeah thanks thanks for inviting me on I, I, I you know I've been following you guys as well and it's, it's nice to finally cross over with you yeah no you're welcome I mean yours is one of the ones I kind of first um looked at really I suppose spent some time looking at how you did it what you did with respect to to trying to well I say plan this there's not been really much of a plan um uh, but um to sort of get it off the ground so um yeah it's a kind of a belated a belated thanks I suppose to you or to apologize uh, on behalf of everybody else who listens <laughs> um so so the reason for the the, the podcast or sort of mashup then if you like is that we are going to look at the clutch of young Welsh talent that's coming through a Cardiff City of late, um, you may well, given you know the, the the depth and breadth and the amount of time of, of you've been covering the, the the club, may some of these players might have been on your radar for maybe a number of years. Um, whereas for uh, non-Cardiff fans or more casual fans, maybe names like Sam Bowen, Eli King, Oliver Denman might be um, names that are very much on the margins of their of their kind of awareness of what's going on in, 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 in Wales. Players like Ruben Carvel, Isaac Davis, probably less so. And it could be that there's an opportunity to delve a little bit deeper um, and maybe flag up a couple of names that um, mm-hmm. are playing academy level or, or, or even below that as well that might have caught your eye or, or others involved with the, the club. Hugh, I mean, it does feel, and I don't know if this is fair, and I'll I, you know, let, let Ben kind of adjudicate on this, but I'll, I'll kind of put my forward, you know, my case for the prosecution. I mean, I can remember standing on the, on the, on the terraces in Indian Park years and years ago, and you'd always have a smattering of, of Welsh players, homegrown players, and all sorts of things, Scott Young, Jason Perry, um, Nathan Wigg, Nathan Cadet. I remember some of the youngsters coming through, Lee Jarman. Oh, um, showing your age. Yeah, no, I am. Yeah, uh, the two Williams guys in, in goal, Carl Dale, so on and so forth. There's always been Welsh players getting around the bridge. But it did seem to then get a little bit sparse. And it has been a stick that some fans have been inclined to, to hit the club with. Is that fair, do you think, Hugh? Well, the thing I'd noticed when I was kind of, um, it's about 10 years ago now, but when I was first starting at 442 was just how Swansea was starting to develop a lot of um, kind of Welsh players who then went on to uh, bigger, better things or just successful things with Swansea. And Cardiff really weren't. I mean, I like it was it was uh, frustrating to me not to tell, you know, I don't want to tell clubs how to do the business, but it really felt like there was an opportunity to kind of develop a lot of players from the um, kind of the South Wales region. And they just weren't, there wasn't really much of a pathway to the first team from what I could see. But yeah, I looked into just the number of Welsh players who played a league game for Cardiff over the last 10 seasons, basically. And I, I discounted <laughs> players who played one game because Dan, Danny Gabberton played one minute of a game of a season once, and Declan John played one minute of a season. But if you take out people who played one game and you take out loanees, then since 2011, it's like two in a season, then one, two, one, none in the 15, 60 season because Tom Lawrence on loan. 
and then like four because that was the trollop experiment which went a bit wrong and then one and none again under neil warnock and then two and then this season nine players nine welsh players have played a league game a championship game for cardiff whether it's substantively or just um at least more than one appearance and i just find that extraordinary really i said the highest before then was three or four and there's been nine this year and i'm kind of keen to know which are going to really excite us and who because they're not all going to make it obviously it won't be cruel or anything but who's really looking exciting and who um has potential yeah so i mean i jumped on twitter earlier that it's you know a bit like london buses you wait for ages and then you know a clutch of young talent comes along all at once um i mean so, so, so ben uh, i mean what what mm-hmm. you know is that is that a fair summation that that it has been a bit sparse because between that era that i was referring to that early mid 90s i mean the late 90s were horrific period um for, as a cardiff fan um, you then had the whole Sam Hammam thing, and he tried to very much kind of uh, you know, Welshify the club a little bit more. You know, Dragon started appearing on the kit. He brought Danny Gabadon in from West Brom. Um, you know, Earnshaw came through as well. To be fair, you had Stuart Fleetwood coming through. He was Welsh qualified, and then you know Scott Young. Players like that started started coming coming through, and you know holds a special place in, in the hearts of Cardiff fans for his goal against Leeds, for example. But then it seemed to drop away again, and I know kind of Bellamy came came home, so to speak. But even though there was more money in the club, seemingly, um, notwithstanding some of the fire sales of, of players like Collins, uh, who came through as another one, of Gabadon, of Kavanagh, not Welsh, but that, that same sort of era, um, supposedly with more investments in the club, it didn't seem to be filtering through to you know, the development of academy and structures to bring those through. But like I said, I might be being unfair here and it could be some of those players came through and then dropped down to, I don't know, the, you know, the likes of Newport or whoever it might be. Um, one or two exceptions always, Gunter clearly is one. But, you know, is that a fair summation that it's been a bit sparse for, for, the, for the last few years? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, you know, I think even there was, even during the red kit era, there was a few players who came through and, and kind of threatened, but they weren't particularly, they, they weren't particularly Welsh. They weren't Welsh. We had people like Ben Nugent and Oshalaja come through who were, um, who've now gone on to play at places like Burton and, and Barnet. They'd play sort of four or five games, then disappear again, and then you wouldn't see them for a little while. I think, we had a couple of years ago, we had Cameron Cox, who I think was a fullback now at Colchester, who mm. was linked with Man City, and we thought this could be the start of something, but that seemed to be a bit of a false dawn, and um, as you said, this year we've seen a lot more of it. I think it's something that the fans have been in crying out for, but it's just never really materialised, and um, like you say, going back to the, those early early 90s days, even even when we had people like Mark Delaney, we were just very proud of having Welsh players in the team, and for those Warnock years in particular, we just didn't seem to have any kind of focus on the youth, and it was all very short-term focus. But now I think there's, whether it's out of necessity or whether it's because we do have a genuine golden era coming through, there, there just seems to be more opportunities and more focus on, on the youth team. And it's not been the best season on the pitch, but I think there's the, the positives to take from this are the fact that we've got that clutch of youth players coming through who are seemingly could be around for the next four or five years or even longer, because a lot of them are sort of late late teens into their early 20s. That's the crux, you know, the, the, the spine of a team for the next five or six years, you'd hope. Mm. and not been assembled in the way that perhaps those sides under Sam Hamam were, mm-hmm. but they've come through together. Mark Harris, a little bit older, but it tends to kind of get lumped in, in, in with this, this group. Uh, I suppose... Un- under 23. Under okay. 23, yeah, okay. Would it be fair as well to say that one of the reasons why they're getting games and opportunities is because Morrison got the job? And so because of it was an internal promotion, he knew these players, he, he knew what made them tick... 
they perhaps had an element of sort of belief and trust in him and his methods. So maybe there's a, a slightly less, you know, a path of slightly less resistance than, as it were, to the first team for these players. Whereas if they'd gone out and appointed somebody from inside the club, then maybe it would have been a bit harder. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think, um, you know, Morrison was was doing really good, really good work with the under twenty threes. I think if you look at his record, um, just before he took the the full, you know, the the full manager's job, he was winning a lot of games. They were kind of flying up whatever uh, table they were in there. They were kind of, I think, they were unbeaten in, in in so many games up until a point as well. And I think he can, he he knows that he can kind of trust those players. And I think part of the issue has always been is that we've, you know, when we brought uh, Mick McCarthy in, he was only in temporarily, so it was like six months, and his his remit was just just kind of um, rescue us from sliding down the table. So of course Mick McCarthy's not going to trust the youth team players at that point because he's got a remit to do and that's just get us out, out of the relegation zone and then he started the season so badly last year that it would have been unfair to throw those young players in and I think when Morrison came in it was just a bit like well we have nothing left to lose at this stage we can't sign any new players because he came in in sort of November October November time but we needed to freshen up the squad because it was very stale at that point and I think it was probably a bit of a masterstroke that he brought people in and I think that the first players we saw were people like Isaac Davis we started seeing Colwell getting a bit more game time and, and I, I think it, it kind of went from there really and um, it is understandable why Morrison would play them more but I also do think that it, it, we're benefiting now for the first time from having a clutch of players who are first team ready and uh, who, who have come up together so it would be a bit a bit of a wasted opportunity if they weren't played no matter who was the manager. Yeah because McCarthy gave opportunities to a couple didn't he because I mean I remember the line about Colwell he looks like a bloke yeah. being his line because <laughs> I think his main appeal to McCarthy being that he's huge for for a teenager well a then teenager but obviously it's got very good good feet for a big man <laughs> but um yeah. what i always say about colwell is um f- face of a baby body of a man <laughs> yes exactly I'm, I'm surprised there hasn't been a chant of that of like um he looks like a bloke he looks like a bloke he's reuben colwell he looks yeah. like a bloke just because it's such a weird comment to make <laughs> but um yeah and then as i say since morrison's come in there's just been so many more of them and I think McCarthy gave Harris his kind of first kind of forays into the first team as well. I think Harris had been out on loan at places like Wrexham, um, and he'd, he'd done okay at Wrexham, but I think it was it was sort of four or five goals in in, a, in in half a season at Wrexham, and you kind of think, well, that's not really setting the world alight. But why we're starting him? But I think McCarthy just put him in the team because he was a willing runner, and it kind of under a McCarthy team when you're kind of hemmed back for most of the game you need someone who's just going to run past the halfway line and chase the ball and I think Harris is willing to do that but I think if you know he, he did give Harris that opportunity he did give Colwell that opportunity so maybe we can give McCarthy some credit as much as I'm loath to um, some credit to, for starting this young revolution but I think it, it's definitely come into full light under Morrison shall we say. I think as well that he once he once Harris was given a chance and a, and a, and a run of a few games he seemed to help just get Kiefer Moore out of a little bit of a, yeah. a drought, wasn't it, as well, I seem to recall. And there is something, he seems to be very much a, a selfless, you know, what little I've seen of him, and it has, you know, and, and, and his, his fleeting sort of Wales appearances. Exactly what you said, very industrious, willing to run, but quite a selfless player. It's kind of dragging centre-backs away to create space for other people. I can see why maybe the other centre-forwards probably enjoy playing with a player like Mark, Mark Harris. Yeah, and I think, you know, Kiefer Moore at, at that point under Cardiff was kind of expected to do everything up front. If you lump the ball to him, you'd want him to win the header, get onto the end of his ball, get down the channels and put across him for himself. So having someone like <laughs> Harris alongside him, who, who, as you say, is a, a willing runner and a bit of a foil who's just going to take defenders away from him, probably did open up the game for Kiefer Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I think that's what Harris does. I think 
we're talking, um, he hasn't, I think he's sort of 10, 15 appearances this year, but he, he managed to start against Liverpool and, you know, he, he almost drew a penalty out of Konate, which um, is no mean feat. There were a couple of moments where he was he was through on goal and I think he, he, he was the one who was fouled by Kelleher, sort of 40 yards out of his goal and probably should have been sent off for it. So I think he does push defenders and goalkeepers into making mistakes and I think that's an important part of his game, If even if you don't really know where he, he can play full time. Hmm. It was the Belarus away game, I think he came on, didn't he? And I thought he helped turn that game back in our favour. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I suppose there's a certain irony in respect to this conversation because that was um, Colville's first start and arguably didn't quite work out with what Page was trying with him and Johnson, Brennan Johnson in, in, the, in the starting 11. Although we'll credit for him to, for, for giving it a go, I suppose. I mean, Colville, I suppose, is the one that people will be most, Welsh fans now will be most familiar with, not least because, of course, he put in a, you know, a really good performance and made a really good impression against the Czechs last time out. But, I mean, as you pointed out, in the episode, we, we look back at that Czech, Czech game. He went very quickly from sort of sublime to, dare I say, ridiculous, you know, within seconds sometimes. But the class is, the, the class is clearly there. He's going to be very, very good in a year or two, potentially, because mm. I think his body's still catching up with his mind. Mm. I, think he's, I think he's a quick thinker. And I think looking at the size, he, he had a growth spurt at some point, And sometimes your legs are still catching up. That's why you put a still ball at his feet, like that wonderful free, free kick he scored. And the fact that he can kind of run onto a ball as well. But he can just occasionally be a little bit clumsy with a ball under his feet. And that's not a criticism of like, this guy's not got the technique or anything, because he has. He's got fantastic technique. But I think he's just still adapting to um, almost yeah. to adult football, if you like. I completely agree. You know, you can see he's a bit gangly, a bit, you know, he's a bit like a, I guess a newborn, a newborn like deer or something like that, a bit <laughs> like Bambi, because he's, he's like you say, his his legs can sometimes look like they're moving independently from his body because, you know, he is about six foot three, six foot four. The guy's massive and he's such a classy footballer, but he just doesn't seem to have, it's, it's, it's like a composure thing. I think sometimes he's completely composed. And, you know, we talk about his goals this season. The two that stand out were the Forest goal to win the game 2-1, where he kind of cut inside and, and curled it into the bottom corner with his left. And the free kick against QPR, which was one of the best free kicks I've seen in, in years of supporting Cardiff City. And that's including, you know, the late, great Peter Whittingham and Jason Kumas. It was Kumas-esque in its kind of um, execution. And I think he's, he's showing those moments, but I think he's right. I think there's a year of him getting used to his body to go before he's, we really see the best of him. We've had a question from Leon asking, well, how good can he be? And I think you've almost sort of, kind of answered that, Hugh, but um, could he potentially be our, the natural successor to Ramsey in the number 10 shirt for Wales, which is huge, huge shoes to fill? I don't know if he's as, as box-to-box as Ramsey at the moment, but that might be something that develops. The, the, the role I kind of see him playing at is, is, is a more a bit Kumas-esque but with a bit more impact on the game a kind of free role in that number 10 kind of playing just off the striker um, running onto balls and making things happen behind the front two I think the way I see Ramsey and I, I, I could be you know reading it wrong he gets up and down a lot more than than um, than, than Colwell I see Colwell doing anyway um, I think it's a, it's a big comparison but I think he, he could impact games you know really well from that number 10 slot I just wonder if he'll be as as, as up and down as Ramsey seems to be at times that position is is a factor because he's kind of played all around already at Cardiff and Wales. I mean, like I think his first start for Wales actually was kind of as a number nine, and that was partly why it didn't really work out. But he's played well in other roles, and he's I mean he's been wide a few times for uh, for Cardiff. Sorry, but um, I know he's mainly in that ten or nine role. But we're just not quite sure yet if he's a forward or an attacking midfielder. I think. And against the Czechs, he he, he roamed quite a bit. 
and he was mm. getting quite wide. He was getting into channels. He was dropping into into the into the Wales half to pick the ball up. Um, I was surprised at quite how much free reign he he appeared to have. Maybe he didn't have it. and He just took it. I don't know. But um, <laughs> and got a roasting in the uh, in the changing room afterwards off uh, off Rob Page. But it, it's been a mixed bag, I suppose. It's only four Wales caps. It's not even a full ninety yet. But there's also one goal, which is it's nice to get him off the mark as well. Well, taken. It was yeah. Supported and assisted assisted by the player whose place he arguably took at Euro 2020. It was it was never a problem for me that he was called up for Euro 2020 out of nowhere because it's like it's good to be giving young players a chance. It's just the madness that he was called up ahead of Brennan Johnson who we could already tell was going to be a great start. It doesn't matter now because they're both coming through together and hopefully going to be fantastic for one another. It was just so strange when it happened at the time, I remember. Mm. When they were, when they were uh, releasing all of the kind of the crests on each castle and then suddenly it was this um, lad from Cardiff who I think at that point had made about <laughs> two starts maybe if that yeah I have to say if that he'd, he'd been involved in a, a few squads and I think he played a couple of cup games but I don't really remember him playing it was it was as much a surprise to us as it was to everyone else you know and you know I think it was a bit like what was it when Theo Walcott went to Euro 2006 it felt a bit like that from our side yeah the World Cup 2006 yeah or Ronaldo to USA 94 which again show, yes. showing my age um <laughs> um Headlines tomorrow, Ruben Colwell, the next Ronaldo. Yeah, I th- I th- he's one of those players you're really looking forward to seeing how he goes. You, you don't want to over-invest yourselves in some of these players and you don't want to big them up too much, although we then sometimes do in the next breath sometimes. But it's that sense that you know you can see you can see quality, you can see class when it's there and you're just kind of waiting for it to happen and it's you know it's kind of watching it kind of blossom. Uh, like like we had with again with, with Ramsey and, and that, you know part of me just kind of cringes at you know, mentioning these players, Kumas Ramsey, uh, you know, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, you know, really, really, you know, quality, quality players. It's really <laughs> nice just watching them flourish, watching them just grow into the into their ability, into their into into the game. He does really excite me as a player. Like, I mean, I know we've just kind of reeled off a few things that we've compared him to Bambi and saying whatever. I mean, like I started that, I initiated that, but um, he really excites me as a player. Like, as a fan watching, I'm kind of I really want to see what. He does next and and i mean like in the next you know 20 minutes as well as the next kind of five years yeah and i think you know as as, as we've said that the kind of the dearth of kind of good youth team players come through is is probably what makes colwell more exciting to cardiff fans than he ordinarily would be because i think we 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 want him to be so good and we want him to fulfill the potential that we believe he has and i think he's he's showing that he's got the skill level it's just whether he'll reach the heights that we want him to which is probably captain of wales champions league and all that kind of stuff <laughs> Um, in whatever guise it may be and I think that's where we just need to temper our expectations because I think he's already like I said he's already fulfilling that potential he's playing for Wales he's he's becoming more and more involved in Cardiff it's just um, we probably just need to, to take a breath before we, we put too much pressure on him in that mm-hmm. regard mm-hmm. Well a lot of players have that second season syndrome and arguably this is his first season I mean notwithstanding going to the Euros and having those couple of games at the end of last season but um, yeah we've seen players have a little dip in their second seasons before Um one last question from me, Ben, on Colwell. I mean, at what point was he sort of on your mm-hmm. your radar? I mean, you alluded to the fact that, you know, the call up to the Euro squad was a surprise. I guess that's a given. But I mean, at what point did he begin to be on the radar of, of, of Cardiff fans? At what sort of age? I, th- I think it 
I think we're talking about, so where are we now, 2022 20, coming into the summer. It's probably two, two and a half years ago that we started um, hearing about him, really. Um, you kind of start you start seeing his name mentioned more and more in those kind of youth team games and, and how he's impacting them. And you start hearing conversations of him around the club. Um, I, I think it was just, it, it started coming from there, really, that they, they, they were talking about an exciting talent coming through the youth and someone who could, you know, be the next the, the next breakout star, basically. So we're, we're talking two, two, two and a half years, basically. I think is 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 the yeah, time frame. Yeah, which goes to show how patient you've you've got to be as fans sometimes. Exactly. Um, well, and as as managers and coaches. If, if Cardiff fans had had their way, we probably would have chucked him in from first hearing about him. And I think that's where we've we got to under McCarthy as well. I think you know when things were really getting bad under McCarthy, it was like oh just play Colwell and see what happens. And I think they were right to be patient with him because, like I said, it, it wouldn't have been the right environment for say a youth player to come through under McCarthy. Although he did get a few appearances under McCarthy but now I think under Morrison it's it's it is time to flourish and, and, and get more game time because it's a manager who's who's known him for a little bit longer should we say I suppose uh, the next obvious one because there's probably Cardiff fans listening going why haven't you mentioned him yet just because when the last Wales squad was announced there were a lot of people hoping he'd be called up and that's um, Isaac Davis who as a predominantly well I, I do watch Cardiff but like primarily Welsh international fan I've seen bits and starts of nowhere near as much as the other players but he's made 10 starts he's made a whole lot of sub appearances this year and I know there were a lot of bluebirds who kind of really wanted him to make that squad and I think as Russ has alluded to in the past um, it just wasn't the right time you know ahead of a <laughs> massive World Cup playoff to, to um, bring him into the squad <laughs> but there seemed to be kind of almost more excitement about him than about well not to make it competitive but alongside Colbell and Harris there seems to be a lot of excitement about him on the terraces I, th- I think Isaac Davis is it's been a bit of a breakout star shall we say you know the Colwell stuff is you've heard about him before you kind of excited that he's coming through and you, you want him to be more of a success Davis is kind of a bit more um hidden away shall we say um, and, and, and wasn't really perhaps had, had the pressure on him like Colwell did and I think Davis started playing in a few games coming off the bench and you kind of see that you've got this like he's just a dynamite little player he's quick he's quite strong for his size he's he gets into the box he's a, a direct runner and I think that's as Cardiff fans, we, we've always liked players who do that. You know, we, we had a, a strong history of wingers like Paul Parry who would just run at players. Um, and I think Isaac Davis is, is similar to that, but perhaps in a more advanced role because he, he tends to play as a striker. And I think it's just, um, he's been more of the breakout star this year to say Colwell, which is kind of like him reaching his expectation of being fulfilling his potential. It's interesting how um, Davis and Harris and Colwell all have this. I suppose it's, it's what youth brings you, although again, love being together players with about three or four years apart. But um this versatility where I mean Davis was saying playing maybe as a striker but mm-hmm. kind of considered a winger as well and Harris was still not entirely sure whether he's a winger or a striker and Colwell much the same I mean Harris obviously further down the line it kind of he's 23 it needs to be decided upon but there's a certain versatility to these players which I suppose could be looked at as a positive or a negative depending who you are yeah I think you know the, the the fact that we could almost effectively play a front a front three of Colwell, Davis, and Harris, and either of them could kind of flit in between winging roles, playing through the middle, playing just behind the strikers. It's it's an interesting dynamic that you have really, and um, yeah, as much as I think versatility, you know, we saw it with uh, I, I, he's not Welsh, but Callum Patterson, versatility kind of killed his career at Cardiff because no one really knew what perhaps his best position was. I think when you've got three players like that who can kind of interchange on on a front three, I think that just creates an interesting dynamic, and especially when they probably played each with each other at, at youth level they probably know each other's game a bit better than say three players who've just been lumped together and it could make an exciting options up front i love the phrase winging role 
Like he has to be in a winging role. Like that's not. I what didn't I even know if it was a, if it was a, <laughs> I like a spoonerism that, a striking or something role, like that. <laughs> midfielding role. <laughs> uh, I think Isaac Davis is interesting because he came in for some criticism earlier this year. Um, he came off the bench against Bournemouth just after half time in an absolutely disaster of a game. Um, when I think Bakuna got sent off and it kind of ended his Cardiff career. He came off the bench after, four, you know, just after half time and was taken off within sort of half an hour. Um, and and Morrison kind of gave him this this very public dressing down. And we thought that we'd probably never see him again because it felt like that he banished him from the first team. But it actually kind of became the making of him. And it um, it was interesting to see a young player bounce back from something like that because obviously we were as as fans and as as people who who you know who, who run podcasts who comment on all this kind of stuff. We were quite taken aback with how um, strong Morrison had been about Davis in, in the public eye and we kind of felt like he was hanging him out to dry I think if you listen to Danny Gavadon on Feast of Football um, uh, you know he, he he mentioned something along the lines at uh, the same lines and I think it was we, we all thought it was it was the end of Isaac Davis in the in the, in the first team but he, he came back and he's proven his critics wrong with with stronger and stronger performances as the season's gone on and I think he's he's he's, he's certain to be a, a starter going into next year. I suppose if you're Morrison there as well and you've worked with him, you know what he's capable of. And again, not to justify if he is hanging him out to dry too much, but it's that kind of, I know you're mm-hmm. better than this. So I just had a look and yeah, he interestingly, he came on for Harris and then yeah. came off for Colwell. <laughs> so <laughs> in that game, you had the three of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The dovetailing the three of them together <laughs> just by replacing one another. He was quite publicly critical of Colwell as well, I seem to remember, just not long, mm-hmm. not too long before that as well. And I think Morrison has a little bit of reputation as being quite a straight talker, um, says it as it is. Is it a lack of tact? I don't know, because I think actually he knows what he's doing. I, I remember back in 2016 when George Williams was called in the squad and he said something around, and there's players I've never heard of in the squad. I think he was still angling for a, a call-up. I'm not quite sure whether he, 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 deserved, he was entitled to it by 2016. And I just remember thinking, well, that, that just lacks grace. I mean, you yeah. know, you just... You just give you know, give player the credit. You might be hurting because you might might have, might have thought you still had a shout yourself. I mean, I kind of get that to a certain extent. But you know, he would have been a young player once upon a time, making his way in the game. In fact, Morrison, if I if I remember his career correctly, came through in the program a little bit later. He had to work his way up. Yeah, he was non-league. Yeah, non-league yeah. Non-league so, yeah. And, I, and I just thought that was quite lacking in 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 in, in graciousness, really. For me, I'd sort of marked his card a little bit in, in, in kind of coming out. And when he did that with Colwell and then again with Davis, I thought, well, here's somebody that doesn't perhaps know or does know but doesn't care when to keep something yeah. behind closed doors. But like you said, I mean, he's done it with both of them. It doesn't seem to have affected them. If anything, they bounce back even even better. Actually, yeah. it's funny we should say that because... Oh, sorry, just really quickly. Because uh, I was listening to Not The Top 20 earlier today, obviously an excellent podcast, and they happened to mention Morrison doing this exact thing because they were talking about Jed Wallace, who isn't Welsh and isn't young, so this is not even remotely <laughs> relevant, I suppose. But he, apparently he mentioned a couple of years ago, like, oh, if Jed Wallace wanted to be, he could be a fantastic player, but he's, he's got no end product. And it's about, at that point, a senior <laughs> player with you know whatever. And he just said it about this fantastic player. And since then, he's gone on to improve even in his mid to late 20s. So he does just seem to have this, and I'm not going to defend it or um, criticise it, but this very forthright this is what I think about a player and it's going to seem especially to myself naturally critical when it's a teenager but I guess it depends how well they they know him as that player maybe it's um people just trying to 
put one in the eye of Steve Morrison. Maybe he's, you know, he's beloved across football and that's what people are trying to do. He does it a lot, Steve Morrison, with smaller things as well. Like he, he kind of has, a, he almost says in, in press conferences about journalists, he's like, well, you don't see what goes on behind cl- closed doors or the fans don't really see what we're trying to do in training and kind of, it's, it's almost like he's just got this kind of siege mentality and it's, it's just everything's kind of him lashing out and I just wonder if it just extends to players but you just don't really see him do it with, you mentioned Jed Wallace, it's funny because at Cardiff you don't really see him do it with the senior players players as much you see it a lot with the the youth players and one of the other players we'll talk about um I think which is listed as Sam Bowen is um he he said something recently about Sam Bowen that struck with me he was kind of like he just needs to almost learn about what he needs to do as a footballer um and that's why he's not been involved so much in in recent games and it's like I don't know if you need to say that so publicly like (laughs) with the Isaac Davis thing I understand dressing someone down behind closed doors, but say it behind closed. I you know I always think football managers to an extent should say stuff behind closed doors and and be as as critical as you want there, but not defend them in public, but just be a bit more. And and Russell comes back to what you said. Maybe he doesn't laugh, uh, have this, but being a bit more tactful when he's saying it in front of the press. I suppose it's it's one thing if you like you said if you are saying it to the player. I mean if Sam Bowen isn't hearing that, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and he reads about it in the press, and I think there's a fundamental problem. I'm not for one second saying that's what Morrison does. So I guess there are ways and means of of, of doing it. But um, mm-hmm. uh, anything else to say on Isaac Davis before? Well, why not talk about Sam Bowen as we as we mentioned him again? We're probably working through players where there's increasingly less and less that maybe the wider kind of red wall. But we'll know about a lot of these players. And uh, is there anything else on Isaac, or should we crack on with him? I think Isaac's just a very exciting. From my perspective, he's he's one of the most exciting players I've seen at, at Cardiff in in the last couple of years. He's almost like a the next level up from Harris in terms of a bit more pacey. You know, he scored a few goals this season, and I think he's just got you know get a good preseason with the first team underneath his belt, and I think he could he could go on to a, have a really good season next year. Well, he's just on new contract, isn't he? So that's yeah. that's definitely a sign of the belief in him. I think yeah. he's been at the club since he was about seven, and Colwell since he was eight, and Harris about the same age as well. So it's interesting how that none of these players have been drafted in. Oh, well, there might be a couple who are about to come on to who may, but these three in particular have really been around the club for a long time, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I think he was yeah, he, he was like going in Cardiff Youth Squads at the age of twelve or whatever. It's he he's been around Isaac Davis, which is. I think what every fan wants to see as well. I think there is, and I think you know, if you all you have to do is search Ruben Colwell and Isaac Davis at Wembley, and I think there's a photo from the Blackpool playoff final in 2010 where they evidently both sort of nine or ten years old, and they're both at the game when they were, you know, uh, at the Blackpool playoff final, which you know probably the worst day in football I've ever experienced. But um, it, it shows that they've, like you said, they've been involved and around the club for a long time, and I think they're Cardiff through and through basically, um, and I think they both are, and that's really nice. I've just seen this picture and it's extraordinary. I encourage anyone. It's very to sweet, it isn't it? It's very sweet. Also, it suggests that Isaac Davis's kind of premature hair loss is much more recent because I think he's the natural successor <laughs> to Johnny Williams in that respect. He's twenty. He's, he's twenty, and he's going to have to shave it off by twenty-two. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I feel sorry for him on that regard. Without wishing to sort of put a fly in the ointment, he's a wide player, and Wales have a lot of wide players. There's a lot of competition for caps on the part of Isaac Davis. I fear. But then you also said things like direct, gets in the box, scores goals, Tyler Roberts, I'm thinking of you. <laughs> That's not necessarily the sort of end product we get from some of the wide players, I is think it? I just offers something different, you know, slightly different. I think, like I said, him and Harris are quite similar in the sense that they're both willing runners. But I think Isaac Davis just has a bit more end product at the moment. And I think um, if he can kind of hone that in, sometimes his finishing can be a little haphazard or he can perhaps not put as much power behind the shot as he could. It's, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's all a learning curve. I think he could go on to be a, a really important player for us in, in the coming years. 
Just a quick reminder that we now have a Patreon page where you can subscribe to any one of four tiers, ranging from £2 to £10 a month. There's a range of exclusive content coming your way, as well as some other perks and offers, not least a 10% discount on purchases with exquisitely Wrexham-based artist Liam Stokes-Massey, aka Pencil Craftsman. Just head over to www.patreon.com forward slash podcast underscore Peldroid. Let's talk about Sam Bowen, son of uh, former Wales cap Jason Bowen. He was a player that, I mean, he had a really good, career don't get me wrong I mean uh, his wiki I've got here is over 500 league appearances which is 500 more than me only two Wales caps and I always felt he was one of those players that I don't know a little bit of a luxury and almost either before his time or or after his time but the 80s and the 90s weren't his time and he'd been better in the the flair of the the sort of 70s when they liked those sort of players or, or coming through now when he'd have been perhaps looked after by I've used that myself before his time and after his time yeah 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 this is not Jason Bowen this is not Sam Bowen so I was going off on like show my age repeatedly in this uh, so what do you need to know about Sam <laughs> I Bowen? wonder if you if you need to know a lot he's the, uh, the, the players we're going to talk about the players we've talked about already I don't want to be mean about him but he's he, he was more involved in the squads earlier in the season has kind of kind of faded away in, in, in the latter half of the season I think for all the world at the start of this year we were, we were expecting him to be the, the one another one of the the kind of you know he was always mentioned alongside Colwell as the, the two players more likely to kind of see more game time over the season um but he's he's not really featured in a squad since I think if, if we're looking at stats since October time he started a few games before that and he he wasn't bad I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to say that he's a bad footballer I think that there was something there it's just he for whatever reason he's not really featured under Morrison in in, in more recent months well I saw the quote from when I was looking at what he was saying about Bowen that um he basically said look we've got 20 players here we got a lot of central midfielders he's just gonna have to kind of Mm. pick it up and I think that's similar to what you were saying before to laying down the gauntlet to these players to improve I think there's opportunities coming in the summer right we're we're a club that's going to be in in a big transition we've got I think you know when you look at the the squad who go in I mean Pack, Bakuna, Rolls is likely to go, Volks is likely to go so that's four of our central midfielders are going to go we're we're largely going to be left with Ryan Wintle as probably our, our, our only experienced central midfielder in there so maybe it's a it's a case of Bowen coming in next year and and picking up the pace from there but um yeah it was it was a surprise really because I think everyone was expecting him to be more involved he was I think he signed a new deal he was on the cusp and training with the first team and, and was being mentioned in the summer as, as someone who could who would get game time but it just for whatever reason it, it hasn't really it hasn't really kicked on from him from October and I, I like I said I don't think he's a bad footballer I think he's um he's quite a tidy footballer I think he does the the midfield basics very well he gets the ball down and, and brings others into play but um I just wonder if he's been a victim of the fact that we've been in a relegation battle for most of the year and we've We've just had a few players coming in and out in terms of roles and vaults with injuries. He was going to have a loan spell at Barry, wasn't he, the season before last? And because, of course, Cambry Prem got curtailed, so that came to a premature end. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe there's some some external factors there that just haven't quite just have meant that things haven't quite sort of run for him which is which is a shame he was involved in uh, when we did this is a weird thing to say but when there was a, a there was a christmas social media campaign he was involved in lots of the filming with that and he was he was on camera there so clearly he's in and around the squad still it's just he, he hasn't been involved in the squad since then and i think probably been overtaken by probably the player we'll talk about next which is which is eli king with Bowen, actually, I kind of wondered if he was one of because um, Morrison at the start, kind of without what you can't really criticize a manager for blooding too many youngsters, but it seemed like he went straight into kind of yeah. playing so many at once. I mean, like, there were a couple of games where the average age of the squad was about nine. I mean, um, like, there was a well, there was <laughs> I was trying to find the one because there was one where there was a front three of um, Davis, Zimber, and Colwell, uh, Zimber not being Welsh but being a, a yes. teenager, I think, or certainly very young. 
and it worked. Yeah, they were, although I think possibly the subs did the job. But essentially, he, he seemed to be trying a lot of these players at once. And it's always that some are going to stick, some aren't. And I kind of wondered if it was part of that. And that might be why he's not featuring as much now. If if he wanted to try Bowen out and see if that worked, and then decided he had kind of better options elsewhere. Yeah, and I think I think we, we sent Ryan... So we signed Ryan Wintle in the summer, right? This um, midfielder for... I, I can't... I forgot crew. where he came from. Crew. He came in from Crew, but then we sent him out on loan immediately to um, Blackpool. And I think he was gone for the uh, for the whole season. I, w- I wondered if maybe if if we hadn't had the recall loan on him, we would have seen more of Bowen in the second half of the season. Because when Wintle came back, Wintle's been our, our mainstay in the midfield. He's kind of taken that anchor role and, and done it very well. And, and, and maybe that's just put pay to, to Bowen's development opportunities at the moment because around him he's he's rotated Volk's roles and, and at times um, Marlon Pack in the midfield as well. I think that's probably the more likely explanation than, than anything um, other than that. But um, it's, it's a shame really because like I said, at the start of the year, he was always being mentioned and he was one that was giving fans a, a bit of excitement and we thought we get more game time out of him but it's just been a, a bit of a, a quiet one since since the Christmas period. So Eli King then mentioned him what do people need to know about him? I think he's a he's a very composed midfielder I think um, I think Morrison shocked a lot of people by by chucking him in at the deep end in January against Liverpool I think that was one of his first starts if not his first start um, you know a big cup tie against Liverpool away it's probably the the perfect place to blood a sort of 18 19 year old uh, midfielder but the, the best thing I can say about him is that he didn't look out of place you know he was up against a, a midfield that included Cater Jones and Henderson um, you know the Liverpool didn't play a week inside that day and uh, I think King it was like sink or swim and he absolutely swam I think he's um, a really exciting uh, young prospect I think he's he's been pivotal in the youth setup um, one of the, the kind of key players as, 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 as I said under Morrison where they had a lot of success and I think he's if we're looking ahead to next season and we need replacements for someone like Volkspack and, and Rolls I think he's 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 already ready to step in and and and, and take on the mantle from there definitely what Wales fans want to hear because central midfield is just looking a little light and not that a 19 year old is immediately going to fix everything but he's not someone I was aware of having made a huge number of youth appearances either so I don't did he did he come out of the blue at all or is it just um, yeah, it has been a steady progress and I've just not noticed it I, th- I, th- I think he has come out I think he's come out the blue for the fans for sure I think um, if like I said if we're going back to last summer he, he, he perhaps wasn't mentioned as much as like I said Bowen or or Colwell was um, perhaps not as out of the blue as say, say Isaac Davis to the club but I think He's probably developed slightly quicker this season and, and got more game time than I think anyone was anticipating. He, he just wasn't mentioned in the picture last summer. He's a really exciting prospect in my view. And he only turned 19 during this season. Uh, I can see here his birthday is 23rd of December. So he's got a year or two ahead. Yeah. Morrison does seem to be keen as well. I mean, like that game against Birmingham, which is I think the last week or two, there were um, five under 21s. And a, and not that's not even including Harris. So you're like, Harris and Younger were more than half the team. And King was in one of those. But as you say, the fact that his first start was against Liverpool, yeah, it's a cup game. But then after that, he started a couple of league games subsequently. So clearly Morrison's not just thrown him in he's thrown him in and then gone actually I quite like this and I think he's capable in a league setting as well for sure and he's like I said, he's been in around the squad as well. I think after the, the Liverpool game, he was involved in a lot of squads going through um, February and March. He, he was um, perhaps not getting game time, but I think it was just keeping him around the squad and keeping him involved shows that he's he's someone that Morrison thinks of for the future. The fact that we're having to scroll through trying to find these players shows how many there are. <laughs> it's, it's quite impressive. Again, like when you consider how it used to be, it's like, well, it's okay because Jazz Richards can play five games and God love Jazz Richards, but um, it, he was like the only Welsh player at Cardiff for a couple of years and now it's kind of exciting 
exciting to see so many, even if a couple have left this year, such as Kiefer and um, actually Kieran Evans. I, I don't know if Kieran Evans was much missed by the fans, but I think he's got he's gone to play. Um, is he in the Welsh leagues now? He's on loan. He was in he's in Ireland. Yeah, I he's, do he's apologise. In Northern Ireland. Yeah, you threw me off then because I was I, I think he's just won the championship with Linfield in the last few weeks. Uh, there was him, and I think there was um, Keenan Patton was another player who was mentioned and was was involved in a few squads over the last couple of seasons as well. Who's kind of kind of dropped away, but like we've we've had. I think it's one of those funny things. We've had lots of uh, lots of youth players who's mentioned in kind of passing and, and, and involved in a squad here or there, but um, have, have, have perhaps gone on loan elsewhere to get more game time and and everything else. And I think it's just the ones that have stuck around. Are, you know, like you say, it's, it's people like um it's people like Mark Harris, it's people like Ruben Colwell who are who are getting the game time while these others are, are kind of getting the low spells mm. elsewhere. Well I suppose it's very um for people of a certain uh, breed, it's a very FM regen territory when you look at the names. Harris, Davis, Bowen, Evans King. It's just kind of like let's just find another Welsh name that we can throw in there and see what they can do as well. Actually one who's English born that again not come from nowhere, that's not fair, but he started four of Cardiff's last five games is Oliver Denham, who um, Russ mentioned yes. earlier. I mean again the circumstances are around Morrison trying players in a, a season where they're safe from relegation, but I can't think of many teenage centre backs starting four of five games for a club in a row that seems like, hopefully quite exciting how's he been again he's been great I think um, he's another one of those players who was thrown in at the deep end against Liverpool against the forward line that had Firmino Minamino involved and again he just didn't look out of place he looked very composed and um, I think you know we we were play, we've, we've been I'm going to say blessed with centre-halves such as Flint um, over the last couple of years who perhaps aren't as composed as, as other players could be in that role and I think what we're seeing from him is that he's a bit of a, a calm a calm centre and a half at the back there he likes to get the ball down he's very intelligent I think he, he's he's just a very very solid centre half and I think you're right when you see a, a 19 year old he's born in 2002 kind of God. making these starts at championship level and being involved in three or four games in a row and I think again I wonder if that's out of necessity because obviously Flint's out of contract um, Sean Morrison is out of contract so therefore we're we're going into next season with potentially at the moment only Nelson and um, McGuinness as our centre halves and maybe we're trying out Denham as the, the kind of uh, we've been playing NG there as well but I think maybe we're trying out Denham as the kind of third option in that that back three that we we tend to play but I think he's he just looks very solid and very composed and I think it's the biggest compliment I can give these players is that they've come in and they just don't look out of place they don't look like they're weakening the defense you know sometimes you see young players come in and they have those moments where you go oh, actually yeah I can see that he's inexperienced and he's a bit perhaps out of his depth or, or still learning the game at that level but with with King and with Denham in, in particular they're just I'm not saying they're they're fully there yet because obviously they're still both very young, but it just feels they're perhaps further along the development pathway than we even thought they would be. Nelson McGuinness sounds like a unionist politician from East Belfast, doesn't he? <laughs> um, I'll tell you how old this is going to make you. Um, he was born, so according to Wiki, Oliver Denham was born on the 4th of May. That was 10 days before Ernie put that winner past Oliver Kahn. Against oh, wow. Germany. It also means it's his birthday tomorrow, just to give a kind of oh, yeah. glint behind the curtain, which means t- today is oh, yeah. his last day. I know, well, I know because it's my <laughs> wife's birthday tomorrow, so I've got, it kind of suddenly showed up. But um, it means that this is his last day of being a teenager. So as of tomorrow, we can't talk about him as being a young player anymore. Well, we still keep lumping Mark. We'll be lumping Mark Harrison with this. Well, he's thirty-three, let alone twenty-three. Yeah. So. Mark Harris can be the Welsh Jesse Lingard. You know, Jesse, Ling- Jesse Lingard is twenty-nine, yeah. but still young. Some players, <laughs> some players are always young and always going to make it anytime soon I, you know, I think there's I know you said about centre midfield uh, Hugh with respect to Eli King uh, and I, I, I'd be inclined to, to agree it's a little bit sparse I think behind our centre backs at the minute you know I think we've been relatively fortunate in how well and quickly 
Joe Rogan has taken to international football, but there's some question marks, been question marks over Mepham, although I think he's been much better for Wales of late. James Lawrence, you know, has, has had the step in. You know, there's people, you know, Tom Lockyer, I've seen him get dug out quite a bit by some Wales Lockyer fans. Lockyer this so season, if it helps, has been Somebody good. else to come in, I think, would be would be useful. I was oh, just saying that Lockyer, I've had Luton fans asking me why he's not been called up, So that, but I completely agree with you. It, uh, centre-back is a little worrying. Cabango, obviously, is a talent, but an injury now as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, when, when you put it that way, it is the only problem with Wales at the moment is, you know, the spine of the team, <laughs> which, you know, that's, that's not, that's not too I think you have to worry about that. But yeah, centre-back, as you say, like it would be good to have <laughs> another one coming through in Denham. Yeah. Do we know how he qualifies? Because he's, I've had well, to find he... out. I'm all up. He's, his wiki page isn't particularly detailed. Yeah, we signed him from Man United. And he's, um, he's a time from Man United and, um, I thought you might be from a similar part of the woods to um, Giggs was from, but that could be a complete nonsense. My geography is abysmal. I only found out in 2016 where Kent was when I went through it to get to France. So I might be completely wrong about where, <laughs> where he's from. Cornswick, says Holmes Chapel, which is in East Cheshire, which means actually he might be um, sort of Ben Woodburn country. Woodburn, ben Woodburn ben country. country. I like this. I like as well. Yeah. And it shows so, how much we've got to learn about these players that with no disrespect to Ben, the amount of live Wikipedia-ing the three of us have been doing during this podcast has kind of said a lot because we've got, we're here to offer listeners knowledge and you have done that, Ben, thank you. But at the same time, if we want to say things like, where's he from? There's not that huge amount of information out there on these players. With some of these players, and I think it's even if you go on the Cardiff City um, official website, it's kind of just, it just says the Welsh Youth International has, you know, for, for Denham, I think it, but it largely says the Welsh Youth International was signed for Manchester United in so-and-so and was an important player in the under-23s. There's there's not a lot of information about these players out there because I think, again, it's it's perhaps the, the surprising nature in which they've all been called upon so quickly under Morrison. And, and, and obviously a year ago at the start of the season, we were here under McCarthy. McCarthy had his, his set way of doing it and he'd signed a few players in the summer who were going to fill that that void but all of a sudden they've been kind of thrust into action and we're, I think everyone's playing catch up on them. Okay so we've, we've kind of gone through a few of the, the players there's one I want to add in there um, and that's George Ratcliffe because I was really impressed with him mm-hmm. at Barrytown but I saw some press and, and I, you know, it is hard to, to break into first teams as goalkeepers um, often got to sort of drop down and work your way back up or it's lots and yeah. lots of loan spells but I saw the other day that he might be on the way out and I actually saw quite a few sort of replies from Cardiff fans not all that bothered by that either but maybe I was seeing a, a distorted sample, I don't know. I think he's been highly talked about. I think we, we all assumed that he was going to be the, the kind of perhaps the, the keeper who came in and was on the bench as an understudy to um, either Smithies or Phillips, uh, depending who, who we, we landed upon, because I think um, Smithies is on his way out this summer, so it'll likely be Phillips, and we'd we'd automatically see Ratcliffe come in as his number two and start working his way up that way. But I think he had an injury, um, from what I remember, um, uh, a couple of years ago that, that kind of put pay to, to a bit of his development. But I just assumed that, you know, he's a, he's a 21-year-old goalkeeper who who gets rave reviews. Everyone who's seen him play says he's he's, he's, he's composed. Everyone says that he's, he's a good shot stopper and, he's, you know, he's a, bit, he's a big lad in goals. But for whatever reason, he we saw it in, in recent games. We, we obviously saw Smithies hasn't been playing, so, so Phillips was in goals. And we, we, we had this guy, Luther, on the bench who we signed from Crystal Palace earlier this year, who is, um, I think he 
he's he's of South Asian origin, but but from uh, London originally. So he's he's kind of overtaken the mark in terms of in George Radcliffe. And I thought we'd keep Radcliffe either way because I think he's he's young. He's he's been around the club for a long, long time, and he he would be a, a good understudy to whoever became our number one. And it's a it's a shame that, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, and I I wonder if 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 that disappointment and people not being bothered about him is is that kind of expectation that he would have broken through already by now but um he hasn't i think he hasn't really been involved in in the first team much this season if at all um and i think most fans are just ha- not not happy to see him go but just ready to wash that not what wash their hands of him i'm picking all the wrong phrases but everyone's just um comfortable with him leaving because all yeah, of a sudden we have it's luther and we've got phillips up um as, as our new number one but um i was sure he was gonna uh, make it through at some point but it just doesn't seem to have worked out that way which is a shame yeah, I'd heard good things about him also. I mean, obviously, wish him the best wherever he does go. But um, I, I just seen his name come up. People saying this guy's going to be pretty good, actually. I don't see why we're not using him more often because I follow FFV Cardiff fans. But I think they were talking largely about cup games and stuff. But it sounds like maybe it's not going to work out, which is a shame. It's kind of tangential. We we released James Waite a couple of years ago, um, who was um, a, a Welsh player who I think we, we, we brought through the academy. A few of the, the first-team players always used to rave about him. The Callum Patterson used to go on about him all the time on Twitter and things like that. And he dropped out the leagues completely when we released him, but has now made his way back to Newport. And you look at it and you think... Maybe he wouldn't have been first team, but it's a little bit annoying that these players that we've let go at some point are now being picked up by their former coaches and people like James Robry and are having an impact at, at football league level. Um, and I wonder if, if, if Ratcliffe might be the, the, a similar. Similar happened with Cameron Cox, who released Cameron Cox a few years ago. He ended up at, um, I think it was Solly Hull originally. It's now back at Colchester. And yeah, Colchester aren't having the best season, but he's back playing league football. And it's a it's a shame that we're, we seem to be so quick to release these players who, perhaps not first team, but they might have a future at our level if we just, held on to them for another six months but then I guess that's football isn't it it's a ruthless game and you can't wait around forever yeah we've mentioned that with Cameron Cox a couple of times sometimes they have to drop down to to, to climb back up and there's a lot of careers have gone in that sort of or followed that sort of trajectory it can't always always be an upward one I don't suppose and sometimes that disappointment is what what they need to to sort of spur them on a little bit Um, or at least to kick out the backside or whatever else it might be Oh, no, I was just going to yeah. say that um, the same thing with Cox. I remember seeing with Tufts well in one of those friendlies and thinking he was going to be very impressive. And then I couldn't believe it when he suddenly went to an odd league side. And as you say, he's now, I think he's actually been one of Coach's better players in the second half as I, of the season, as I understand it. And yeah, we're talking about a player now at the bottom of League Two. But I think, as you say, he's gone down to kind of work his way back up. And it's interesting just to consider the different career paths of players because seeing in the news lately again, Nathan Broadhead, because he's going to be a really big player for um, Sunderland in the League One playoffs. And he's 24 and still contracted to Everton. In fact, I think he's relatively, he's still got another year at Everton. So he's going to be contracted there till he's 25, having barely ever played a game for them, I think. So there are different ways of going about it. If you're brave, I suppose, you kind of cut yourself off and start back again. If you're, well, maybe not, not brave but you're kind of backing yourself to make that impact you go no i'll stick around at a big club and i'll back myself to push it into push into it eventually and you find yourself in broadhead's position where i mean injuries have been a big issue but he is still belonging to a club who have played him once or twice in his career and he's you know 24. The Cameron Cox one's quite interesting because he he sparked a, there was a, I think it was a Wales Online story maybe four years ago now where they they linked Cameron Cox to Man City um, and it was this kind of you know Man you know 
Man City linked with shock move for, for Cardiff Youngster. And all of a sudden, we thought we had the best player in the world on our hands because this spurious news report linked him to Man City. I don't know if there was ever any truth in it. I have no idea. And then within two years, he'd been released and was playing for Solihull. And it was kind of, it was. There's, I think there's always a sense with Cameron Cox um, that it kind of what could have been. Um, yeah, I'd like to have seen him played a bit more for Cardiff, frankly, because there was so much promise around him. But again, was it false promise because of, a, like I said, a spurious news article on Wales Online? Does it sound like Wales Online? I like, yeah, I like the look of him for the for the twenty ones when he played for the twenty ones. I, I was always impressed. Yeah. He was one of those ones that, that seemed to sort of stand out. Yeah, I mean, I look at someone like Jordan Davis at Wrexham. You know, he, he came through, he left, he went to Brighton, barely got a sniff of first team action. And I'm guessing, you know, and again, not the first player for whom you know, a, you know, move up the, the the rungs hasn't quite worked out, but kind of then drops all the way back to the to the national league, and you think, well. If Brighton were interested, you'd think maybe a championship or a top League One club would be interested. But no, he's dropped back and I obviously don't know enough about the, the player or the circumstances. But maybe it's a question of actually going to go back to that environment that I know that I perhaps have a degree of sort of trust and obviously familiarity with. But where people will believe in me and, have, and, and, and support me and encourage me. And I'd be surprised, you know, if Wrexham dumped go up, I'd be surprised if he's still there next year, personally. Notwithstanding contractual situations, I couldn't tell you the details of those, but I think he's clearly too good for the National League, for sure. Yeah, there's different ways to, to have a good, long, professional career, I suppose, is the uh, is the conclusion to that. Ben, to what extent is it kind of like a structural thing? Because you, you used the, um, the phrase, sort of golden generation. That sometimes I feel gets used because it's it, it almost kind of suggests oh there's this kind of happenstance there's these happy uh, coincidences and serendipities where these players have all kind of come together at a certain time rather than actually well is it better scouting is it academy structures is it you know better coaching at that level what are the other kind of circumstances and if it's some of those things that I'd like to think it is better scouting better structures a bit more trust in youth investment in it then actually, to what extent might there be some players at kind of 14, 15, 16 who we'd be talking about in three or four years' time in the same similar sort of way? I think there's there's definitely been some some better investment in there. I think Morrison was was brought in with the kind of I think he was brought in under Harris and he was brought in with that express express kind of focus on on the youth and just to, to kind of develop what we had there. For years, the the youth had been a, a rather ignored resource under Warnock in particular. We we barely saw any any youth team players really used, um, and I think that kind of carried on for a little bit under Harris. But I think Harris had a you know, I think you, you if you if you listen to Harris at, uh, after the Gillingham game at the weekend where he talked about being relegated, he talked about the need for infrastructure, and I think he always had one eye on it, and he knew what needed to happen to kind of get the best out of it, and that's where where Morrison was brought in. But I do I, I think there's a, there's an element of us being better with our with our kind of pick. I think what you see a lot of London clubs do very well, and a lot of London kind of lower league clubs do very well is pick up those players who get released from from the bigger pool of players they have. You know, if you're an Arsenal player, Chelsea player, and you get released, you can you can end up somewhere like Leighton Orient and work your way back up. And I think what we've done quite well is pick up a few players that have come out of those kind of big academy systems. We've talked about Oliver Denham. He he came from Manchester United, and I think that was a, a really shrewd move to get him in because you know we've we've signed him now on a contract until 2024. Um, we've talked about how he's, he's He's kind of fitted in already this season and he we're getting the benefits of his training at Man United without having to, to put all that money into him. And I think the main one really is and and, and perhaps the, the, the perfect storm in all this and, and what's brought it all together is that that kind of tight purse strings and the need to plan for the future. I think we've sadly and 
perhaps this is to our detriment we've we've never really considered the youth in terms of our uh, our future th- future planning prospects you know when you talk about those players that have kind of slipped through the net and disappeared you talked about people like Stuart Fleetwood and I think Stuart Fleetwood could have had a decent championship career if we we just played him a little bit more and put a bit more trust in him um, I'm not saying he would have gone on to be a world beater but he could have got a couple of seasons at the championship level but we just never really thought about him as a as a first team prospect we, we we signed players to play in front of him and I think now what we're doing is because of those tight purse strings we're being slightly forced to put our, our trust in the youth a, a little bit more than we have done previously and I think it's it's at the moment it's paying dividends I think if we're looking at next season and and the fact that we've got I think it's something like 12 players out of contract leaving on loan whatever it may be you know we're we're losing basically half our squad we've already got ready made replacements who've got experience of playing league football whether that's Ollie Denham whether that's Eli King in the midfield whether that's Isaac Davis up front Ruben Colwell as we mentioned to to the death basically I think that the tight purse strings are making us put our trust in youth and develop them a little bit further and I think that's just ultimately uh, where, where it's come to basically Morrison deserves some praise for developing the youth he got them playing good football at that level he got them winning games and I think he got them into a, a good mentality and he's um and I think he's just he's, he's bringing it forward to the first team and I think that's just the, the crucial bit really I was wondering if Tom Ramosset's had an impact as on that as well because he's the, the assistant and kind of a, he was a youth setup yeah related as well wasn't he I think he is. I, I always forget Ramosset in all this because Morrison is obviously the figurehead, but he's been coaching at the club for, for, for a few years as well. I think, you know, we've we brought Hudson back um, and he's kind of come in and, and, and taken over as a first team coach as well. But I think between them and, and as a as a three, they've just got a really good handle on what it means to develop a football club to the next level. We had um, Mark Hudson on the, the view from the Ninian um, God, it must have been back in the summer, towards the end of the summer, and he talked about his kind of ethos um, and talked about how he um, wants to kind of develop that whole kind of football club mentality where the youth do feed feed into the first team. Because ultimately, what's the point in having a youth system if you're not going to play them? I think that's having just a big benefit on it, really. But yeah, Ramosset's a, a big a big, a big, big part of it all, really. Like I said, I always forget about him because, you know, he used to run Goody Who and all that kind of stuff. And But you forget that he's a he's a bona fide, brilliant football coach and he's he's been at the club for so long and been involved in the club for so long that he, he's got to have an impact and he's got to know the, the full ins and outs of the club to bring them through. And I think as well, I mean, it kind of alludes to a point we had on, on Twitter from um, uh, the, the cultural attaché for Pembrokeshire and Cardiff, uh, Buzz Bonkath. He was saying how, you know, it, 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 I guess it, it kind of, it's, it, it's similar to that point where you've got maybe players being released from you know, top Premier League clubs. Mm-hmm. If, they're, if they're then, you know, they may have a number of clubs after them. If they look at Cardiff City and think, well, actually, there's a club there that yeah. is prepared to trust youth and give them a go, does it swing them? Or even if it's their parents with young players, whether they're Welsh or otherwise, but you know, from 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 Wales, for example, think well, actually, yeah, let's 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 go to Cardiff because, rather than I know Southampton for argument's sake, like like Bale did, Norwich, like Bellamy did back in the day, yeah, let's 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 give it a go with with Cardiff because we can see a pathway to the to the first team because it's happened for all of these other players, whether they then go on to stay in the first team or whether they may end up moving on to another club. It's nevertheless, it's an opportunity to play first team football. Yeah, and I think we've heard Morrison already talking about um, transfers for next season and the fact that he's been kind of making these presentations and representations to players at at clubs such as Brighton, Chelsea, but even further afield. And there's already some kind of rumour of a couple of Welsh players that we're targeting to bring in who who, who, um, are playing here or abroad. I can never remember which, but um, I think Morrison gets it and gets, gets... the ethos around showing showing players and showing young players what the club's about and how it can benefit them as much as the player can benefit the club and I think that's an important important step change because under people like Warnock and McCarthy it just felt like they were signing 
under Warnock's perhaps people who he'd had at other clubs previously and people who were just local to the club in, in the case of people like Marlon Pack and Aidan Flint um, and I think I think Morrison just gets the, the full club ethos and, and the holistic view of a football club uh, better than, than most and I think that's a really important change that he's bringing to, to the way that we conduct ourselves in the transfer market. Which, whatever your views on Cardiff City, can only bode well for Wales longer term. Um, anybody in that bracket beneath the, the 18s and the 19s and the 20s that maybe we should start getting overly and excessively excited about? <laughs> I, I, picked couple, I picked out a couple of names. Go on. Um, well, I've, I've picked out three names. One of them is Joel Colwell, just because he's Reuben Colwell's brother. So I just thought I'd get that name in there. I know slightly less about him than I do. Um, there's two names that I've I, that, that seem to pop up all the time. It's Kean Ashford and, and James Kroll. Um, Kean Ashford has again been at the club for, for years. He's sort of eight, um, been at 17, 18 now, but he's been at the club since he was eight. He's popped up because we've we've had a few bits of interest from Premier League clubs. I think Leeds came in for him at one point, and we turned down a six-figure offer for him. He, he's seen as a, a kind of another. A, a, packing talent who um, has, has, has been playing quite well he's even featured for the under 23s um, even at, at such a young age so he's playing sort of two levels above himself and I think James Kroll is um, just a, a, another young striker I think we, we're, we're bursting at the seams with these attacking players but but Kroll's another 17 year old who has um, been scoring lots of goals been playing at the under 23s um, uh, at that level and I think he, he even put away a hat trick for the under 23s just before Christmas when they played a game at the Cardiff City Stadium so they're the two names that kind of pop up and um, I think both both are both are involved with the Welsh youth setup at least. If the pathways progress as they have done this year, we could be seeing them on the verges of the first team in the next couple of years. Hugh, anything you want to hype about? Uh, say about? Um, no, I will uh, confess my <laughs> ignorance and uh, Ben's uh, advantage here and say that I don't know a huge amount about those players. But um, it's exciting to hear about them. But clearly, Ballon d'Or contendees at some stage. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We found out that Joel Cole was even taller than his brother, then um, <laughs> you, you're going to really get quite excited. Um, it's going to be interesting if he does kind of play in that sort of Ramsey sort of role, and notwithstanding, or back to the earlier point, Ben, that he's not quite as box to box, it would be quite interesting to have a tall player in the midfield for the first time since, what, well, Ledley, and then probably, what, I'm trying to think, strapping six footer Jack Collison? I'd say Collison or Edwards, why? Ed- Edwards is. Oh, Edwards, yes, of course, yeah perhaps about six foot six foot two yeah I think it's quite an underrated um, part of the pitch to have a, a big midfielder in especially dealing with goal kicks and things like that if you've got someone mm. who can win a header in there it means your defenders are, are less likely to be brought out of position um, but I also just think it's you know it's, it's when you're playing football and all of a sudden you've got a six foot four midfielder bearing down on you it's quite terrifying and we can we can offer some 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 psychological threat as well as some uh, physical threat as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Anything else that either of you want to uh, say? Only that uh, Kiefer Moore has just taken Bournemouth into the Premier League. Ben, your thoughts? Look, <laughs> I'm I'm happy for Kiefer Moore because he's he's a bloody good footballer. Um, he's got great hair. It's just um, I look at Harry Wilson and Kiefer Moore getting promoted and wonder how we managed to waste those two talents under Mick McCarthy and Neil Harris. So what could have been moment for me, really? So it's like three goals in about 20 minutes worth of play for Bournemouth, <laughs> is it? Yeah, played, I think he, he was injured when he broke his foot. So it was his, I think, coming off the bench against Swansea was his first real appearance. And then um, coming off the bench against, I mean, what an impact, right? Uh, an hour before we started recording, news broke that uh, David Brooks has been given the all clear from uh, cancer, from Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma. Not aware of any Cardiff City connections. Um, yeah, it would be remiss not to um, to, to, to celebrate this because um, I, I think he's a wonderful player. 
Brooks. I, I've got so much time for David Brooks. We're not going to see him anytime soon. I think it's probably not going to be, you know, obviously next season before he's back on a pitch. Um, but that's terrific I think news. This yeah, it's a pretty big outpouring of love for him as well, isn't there? For me, it's one of those things when you see a footballer with who comes down with cancer. Obviously, we had it with Sol Bamber at Cardiff. That you think these footballers are superhuman, and it kind of mm. it kind yeah, of, shock, of not shocks you a little bit more. But you think there's no, and especially David Brooks, twenty four, right? You think there's no way that someone that young should be uh, falling ill. So it's just it's just wonderful news. And like you say, he's a wonderful footballer. I think um, you know Bournemouth are obviously poorer without him in Wales. We just miss his 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 silky his silky skills in the middle of the park. The way he runs with the ball is a joy to watch. And um, I know he's got he's like you say he's got a long way to go, but I think it's just um it, it's fantastic that we'll we'll see him back at some point soon. Yeah, he has this sort of lightness of touch, as a deafness to how he plays. And that's not to say that you know you know Ramsey you know doesn't have that, those sort of attributes or, or Bale for that matter. But there's a bit more kind of power to to possibly to Bale. And there's just this. Um, Wonderful kind of deafness to, to how he plays. I, I, I adore watching uh, David Brooks. So yeah, can't wait to see him back in action. Um, yeah, it's just one, just wonderful. So, news. Yeah, excellent. Because it, it, it came, it came out of absolutely yeah, nowhere yeah, yeah. everyone else. And the fact that it's um, the all clear at this stage as well is so encouraging. So it's one of those things that just kind of uh, continues and continues. But it's at this stage to have such good news relatively early on is just kind of unexpected in a wonderful way. So. Um, yeah, and I, and I think I know that he's been touched by other people that kind of like Bournemouth gave a huge amount of applause and all the kind of uh, opposition teams as well. So everyone's taken to it really well. And now they're in the Premier League. So although he's not been involved in it as much, it's a nice little kind of boost for him and a bonus for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so well done, David, and uh, and um, well done to um, the FAW's medical teams. I think they were instrumental in. Um, spotting things as well back in was it September October time, um, so yeah, so well done to all involved, uh, and well done to you, Ben. Thank you for coming along. Exactly. Excellent. Um, whetted our appetite as well for some of these players we didn't know much about, perhaps um, know a little bit more about what's going on behind the scenes. Whatever your thoughts are on Cardiff, where, um, you know one of the, the big the big clubs, I mean, professional clubs, you know, in the country, um, and who from the national perspective we would we need to have them developing players. Mm basically. Do you want to give a, a, another quick plug for things yeah. um, View from the Ninian course, yeah, if you, related? Yeah, if, you, if you've liked my ramblings tonight, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. You know, we're just getting in the process of planning our end of season pods and stuff and we've got hopefully a few player interviews lined up. Um, you, if you can listen to our our kind of um, back history and our archive, we've spoken to Jay Bothroyd, Mark Hudson, Kevin McNaughton, um, um, Aaron Gunnison. Um, so there's some great podcasts there with some great stories from um, the players' times there. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure to talk to you guys. No, you're welcome. And uh, thanks to Hugh. That's all right. Uh, I apologise for any bursts of music that came from my uh, laptop <laughs> during that time while you borrowed my wife's headphones. <laughs> right, so let's leave it there. It's late, it's dark, um, and I'm sitting and I'm sitting actually in the room. I haven't even got up to turn the lights on. All, yes. all I've got is the glare yes. of the, <laughs> the laptop. Um, yeah, so maybe do this again in a year or two's time, Ben, and we can find out a bit yeah. more about the other Colville and Ashford, Kian Ashford, and, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. And long may it continue. Cheers. Thank you.